Hi, I'm Whit Whitaker, the Executive Director of the Lyric Theater and Cultural Arts Center here in Lexington, Kentucky. Visit us at www.lexingtonlyric.com or find us on social media at Lexington Lyric. I'd like to give a shout out to the cast of May I Have Your Attention Please, a play that addresses mental health and suicide issues, written by Kentucky playwright Kat Goglin. We'd also like to give a shout out to the hip-hop group Tag Team on Kat's podcast tonight. They're back again. Yo, everyone, fam and friends, Matt and Cat up in the house, so let's begin. People at the crib, y'all better make some noise. Got a legend in the house, let's jump for joy. It's a story of a man named DC Glenn. Listen up at 19, how it all began. Mission to make music and make the world quake with his friends till the end. He joined the sex tape. First game, booking speakers and produce on Friday. Spinning records in Magic City and making bunch shake. 2500 equals 800. Won't there it is a new dance party heroes. Whooping and scooping, his mind's always moving. His soul keeps a yearning, a passion for learning. Chapter after chapter, the pace keeps turning. Can't see the flames, but the fire's still burning. Yeah, yeah, can't see the flames with the fire still burning. Boom, there it is. Life is full of choices. University of the Cumberlands makes choosing the right college easy. Cumberlands has been recognized as a college of distinction, which means they take pride in teaching their students, offering a wide variety of innovative learning opportunities and an active campus community. Plus, a degree from the University of the Cumberlands is highly valued by graduate schools and future employers. You're going to make a lot of great choices in life. Start with Cumberlands. Visit ucumberlands.edu. That's the letter U, cumberlands.edu. Hey everybody, it's Kat, and I want to welcome you to episode 28 of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey everyone, how are you? Uh, Today we have such an exciting episode, I cannot wait for you to hear it. Um, Any listeners out there that need a story to motivate you, to... Uh, if you've been knocked down, just to, like, make you get back up. Um, or if you've been just, like, a twist ending or twist stories, like I do. then this is definitely the episode for you. Our guest today is DC, and he's going to introduce and tell you a little bit about himself. But I am so happy to welcome to Backstory Sessions. Welcome, DC. We're so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be here. I want to say hello to everybody. And before we get started, I have one thing to say. Sprinkles! <laughs> <laughs> I knew it's it was a great episode. It is so funny because everybody laughs at that, and I still laugh at that, and I have no reason why. But, <laughs> everybody, my name is DC Glenn, a.k.a. DC the Brain Supreme, and I am happy to be here with y'all, one half of multi-platinum group tag team back again check it directly okay i'll stop but (laughs) but i'm happy to be here to answer all your questions and just tell you a little bit about my story and what i'm doing these days and i look forward to it so whenever you're ready let's get it story you know that's full circle in some ways like the irony of the of um the whoop there it is song Mm -hmm. uh that's just fascinating but you know before we get into that like tell us a little bit about where you're from and how you got interested in music and how did all that happen 
Well, I was born in Chicago, Illinois, and moved to Denver, Colorado when I was about four years old, and uh, had a great childhood. And um, I was always musically inclined because my father had a bunch of, uh, he had just a ton of instruments, every instrument you could think of in the basement, in our basement. So we dibbled and dabbled in several instruments, and um, he wanted me to play trumpet because he played trumpet, so he made me go to trumpet lessons, and I hated it. My mother made me go to piano lessons, and I hated it. But <laughs> I did love to perform, so I was in school plays and whatnot. And uh, I met Steve Rowland in high school. Wow. In uh, 11th grade. And that's when it really kicked in how I wanted to, you know, how, how, how music was going to affect my life. Because Steve had a band. And they used to play in the quad, you know, during lunchtime sometimes. And I was like, i got to get in that band. And our school, Manuel High School, Denver, Colorado, class of 84, had a singing ensemble called Bolt Vibrations. And I used to uh, work down the hall in the tardy office, right? And I used to just hear the music. And I was like, i got to be in that choir. So with my tenacity and my speaking ability, I beat them down and, you know, just wore them down and asking and trying to get in. And Steve let me in the band and Ms. Davis let me in the choir. And I just became the leader. And I've just always had those skills because I work. You know, I work very, very hard because my parents raised me to work. And they made me work. But I'm so happy they did because I've been, you know, stemming collard greens and shucking black eyed peas since I was five years old. And, you know, I had to cut the lawn. I had to cut the grass. I had to shovel the snow. And... You know, all those things growing up made me who I am today because I don't fear work. And I I actually was able to turn work into profitability. You know, we were the only family that had a snowblower. So I would go around and, you know, clean everybody's uh, driveways and I'd do it for free. But then, you know, every now and then they just throw me $20, $30 and it always paid off. So that's, you know, how... I, you know, just monetized as a child <laughs> the, the chores and the mundane tasks that I used to hate. And if we didn't do our tasks as a child, there were consequences. Like if we didn't go to church, we would have to, uh, we, we couldn't go play football on Sunday or we couldn't watch TV. We didn't do our homework or we didn't, you know, do our chores. There was always a consequence and uh, a repercussion of not doing what you're supposed to do. So fast forward back to high school and my musically inclined self, I um, graduated and went to Sac State University. And I, that's when I began, you know, DJing really heavily. I started DJing like 16 and I saw some of Steve's friends do a high school party for us. And they DJ this beginning of hip hop. And I was like, I gotta do that. So I just immersed myself in DJing and got to Sac State University in Sacramento and taught the Omega Sci-Fi, um, Omega Sci-Fi Soul Fraternity to let me DJ their first party of the year as a freshman. And I bombed horribly. Speakers blew. Um, I was drinking Old English. The, I was picking up the wrong needle off the turntable. And they were about to beat me up. But I got through it. And any normal human would have quit, right? But it just, it just, uh, my resolve was just even greater to be the best that I could be. 
And I began just practicing, practicing, practicing. Uh, meanwhile, I met a gentleman named John Zanino, who was um, a producer. He wasn't a producer back then. He was just a, we just were on the same dorm floor. And uh, I introduced him to hip hop. He introduced me to heavy metal. So we were musically inclined. And he ended up producing a group called Into Deep, who made the song Back to the Hotel back in the day. And he had a four track. He bought a four track, didn't know how to use it. So I was like, I'll learn how to use it. And that was the beginning of me making my own songs, right? And I just started making songs and sent them to Steve. And he started making songs because he didn't want to be left out. And now everybody's making songs. And as I go through my college career, I started rapping and I started um, just becoming a better artist. And I came down to Atlanta to visit Steve my senior year. And I had so much fun, I knew at that point that I was moving to Atlanta, Georgia. And I moved down here to Atlanta, Georgia, <clears throat> and started working at an adult entertainment club and a regular club. And I thought, if I'm moving to Atlanta, these DJs are going to be incredible. But it was the reverse, and I actually ended up getting a job in like two days. And... First day I worked, I probably made $500, and then that was just it. I was like, I could do this for a long time. <laughs> so I've been a DJ. I'm DJing in the clubs. I'm having a good time. I'm young. And, you know, we're making music, but we're in the Southeast, right? So right. Southeast is the land of booty shake or bass music, right? And I just came to the realization that we have to make something up tempo. You know, and I told Steve, and he's like, I don't even know how to make this music because we're hip-hop, right? And I was like, just think Planet Rock and Egyptian Lover. And he put together the beat with the Kano sample, and I had a stack of rhyme books because I used to love to write lyrics and just started matching, trying to match up a song to the, um, to the beat. And there was a song I was working on called Womp There It Is. And whoop there is was just a party saying back in the day, like throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. It was just a party saying that people think that whoop there it is is this grand strategy with whiteboards and you know formulas and chemistry and all of that. And you're like, <laughs> nope, it is just a song, just a song we made. It's that simple. That is just a song we made about partying on a Friday night, and um, we went and recorded it. And I uh, came to work that night, put it in the cassette. So you see, you see I'm, I'm telling my age because I say cassette. <laughs> <laughs> For all you young people out there, a cassette is a plastic thing that has some tape inside of it that reels back and forth. And, and you, you just wear it out and they break. <laughs> and they break. And when the tape breaks, you try to repair it with a piece of scotch tape. So yeah. that is what a cassette is, right? And I... Uh, played that song for the first time in the summer of 92. And to this day, I've been a DJ for 30 years. To this day, that is the biggest response on any record I've ever played in the club. Awesome. And I was like, okay, cool. We got something. But, you know, my hubris led me to leave that, believe that every song I made was an incredible song. So I had stopped playing Whoop There It Is to play the new songs. And then one day, one of the young ladies was like, why don't you play Whoop There It Is anymore? And I was like, I'll play it. And I played it again, maybe maybe about three months later, and the same response. And the 
gentleman named Alan Cole who worked at Columbia Records, who was one of our record reps that bought me records. Uh, another term, final records. <laughs> um, he was in the audience and he said, what is that record? And I was like, it's my record, man. He was like, ooh, give me that record. I'm going to send that to New York. I was like, okay. Send it to New York. I got a call from Columbia Records. They're like, we really like this record. You know, but we just want to, you know, we don't know what to do with it yet, but we're going to be in touch. And I got, you know, I started feeling good about myself and started giving it to every uh, major record label. And they all were like, we like the record, but we don't know what to do with it. And it just started giving me the runaround. And after two months of that, you know, I almost quit. It's one of the times I remember I almost quit and gave up. And a young lady named Lisa McCall is like, you need to talk to Al Bell. Al Bell used to own Stax Records back in the day. Um, Otis Redding made the staples, one of the original uh, black record companies, along with Philly International and Motown. Right. And he had put out a record called Deuce, by, um, I mean, a, record, a group called Deuce, and they made the song Daisy Deuce. So I called Mr. Bell and... Uh, he didn't answer. I left a message and it took about a week to call me back. And I, you know, he's like, Hey man, what's going on? I was like, Mr. Bell, let me tell you something. I've got a record. It's a big record. It's a huge record. It's the greatest record of all time. I've been testing it. You gotta, you gotta sign us, man. Right. And he was like, okay. I was like, what? Wait a minute. You haven't even heard the record. And to the, to this day, I'll never these, these words just echo. This is these words have just always led me to try to be just a better man every day. And he told me, uh, said, "Brother, I don't have to hear the record. I hear it in your spirit. Yeah. Let's agree to agree." And I was like, "Okay." So we agreed to agree, and um, I gave my two weeks notice at Magic City, the club I worked at, and uh, signed a messed up record deal. And in a month and a half, we were platinum. And the rest is history. Wow. wow. <laughs> so how did it feel when you first heard the song on the radio? Actually, it was, it was actually a different experience because back then, Atlanta didn't have, didn't play rap music. There was no radio station that played rap music, right? Wow. So a, a gentleman named Ryan Cameron used to play the music, um, you know, in, in the in the evening time, prime time. And what he did was take the instrumental, and every time he talked over a, a music bed, he used that instrumental to talk over the bed, right? and to make his announcements and do weather or whatever he was doing, right? And people started calling in requesting that record. And we were, because of the response, we were the first record, rap record, to be in regular rotation at B103 in Atlanta, Georgia, back in 1993. And by that time, you know, we were already on the way. And another... um, you know, that's that's the radio part of it. I really I think I was in a whole nother city when I we first heard it. We were like in because I think our first show was in Memphis. I think we were in Memphis when we first heard it. And it was, you know, it felt good because we were all driving. We we're like, whoa, that is weird. <laughs> and the next thing that really catapulted uh, Ed Lover. Ed Lover, good friend of mine, because the club I was at was a hot club. 
and all the stars used to come there, so I knew everybody. And he had heard the record before I had left the club, and he was like, man, what is that record? And I was like, it's my new record, man. He was like, man, let me have that. Gave him a cassette. He said, man, I can't do nothing no cassette. I need vinyl. <laughs> so the first thing I did, uh, I was like, Mr. Bell, we got to get some vinyl because my boy needs it. And he's, you know, he's the host of Yo! MTV Raps on MTV. You know, that was the holy grail of everything back then, getting something on MTV. Right. That was the only thing that you could get something rap on. So we, um, you know, he pressed it up real quick. And it came down that weekend. And I gave met him at the club, gave him the vinyl. And that Monday... He played Womp There It Is the entire show of your MTV raps. <laughs> okay. And then, we're, then, then that just catapulted. And then two weeks later, the Bulls win their third championship. You got Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan up there yelling, Womp There It Is to 500,000 rabbit fans of Grant Park. Wow. That's and then cool. we, were, we, we were out of here. I mean, after that's just Arsenio. I mean, just show after show after show, and we toured and did all those things for four years and had a ball doing it. And for me, I it, it wasn't it wasn't starstruck because I had observed how artists, see, I got to Atlanta and Babyface in L.A. got to Atlanta. Bobby Brown got to Atlanta and other artists were, you know, started, started right there in Atlanta to make Atlanta what it is today. And I used to watch how certain people would treat people, right? Whether it was bad, good, indifferent. Mm-hmm. And I just vowed that I would never be an artist that treated people bad or changed who I was because I thought I was special, right? You just can never be that person. And to this day, you can ask anyone, everybody, you know, my number's still the same. I'm, I'm, I'm a very humble, very down-to-earth person, and I'm very accessible because, you know, you can't have it's almost like a reverse, reverse form of psychology. Because I choose to be low key and all that, I'm, I'm more popular than I ever could imagine because, you know, people know of me, but they don't, you know, and they know me, but they don't have to, there's not that star stigma to it, right? right. And I get to live my life. I get to go anywhere I want to go. I don't mind people saying, oh, that's, you know, I don't have to have that. I'm, I'm not that needy because I get, you know, I get mine in different ways, right? So, you know, that I had a good time. It was it was great. And then, you know, we got a lot of money, but we didn't, you know, I knew there was more money. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, we, we should be getting more money than this. But then, you know, you got to remember that it was just a single as well, right? So it'd be different if it was five million, six million albums. That's a different story, but you know, four million singles, that's still a lot of money, but it's still not what albums sell for, right? Because you can do promotions with singles and right. stuff like that, so you can give away 100000 or whatever, and just you can do all kind of manipulative things to make your record bigger. Back then, because, you know, that was the beginning of SoundScan, that was the beginning of all the things that monitor how records do, so we just, we were always on the Billboard charts. We just, um, it was just a good run, and then... Because of mismanagement, the record company went bankrupt. Ooh. And that was the beginning, you know, that was the beginning because I was, you know, had legal proceedings against our record company trying to figure out what's going on, get, you know, get financial statements. And they went bankrupt and it was all over. And then, you know, I just kind of stopped. 
and another record company bought Delmark Records out of bankruptcy. So the original record company is, you know, record company A, and the other one is record company B. And record company B, you know, there's different parts of record companies. You have the catalog, which is just all the records that a record company has. So they bought the whole catalog. But when they bought the whole catalog, they thought they were buying all the rights to Womb There It Is. But rights to songs are broken up into different pieces, right? So the most lucrative part was in the name was in the uh, uh, name of another company, right? And they just took it. So there was just a lawsuit between A and B, and we, a tag team, were in the middle as pawns, mm. right? Because one side was trying to always use us to do something to the other side, <laughs> and you know they were always trying to get us to sign things and always, you know, like take a side. And it was like, no, I'm not taking a side. Because both of you are uh, <laughs> not yeah. as honorable as you should be, right? Because right. either one of you have, have given us what we're supposed to get. So basically for me, this is a story of me, you know, not crying over spilled milk. I take full responsibility for signing a bad record contract because I was young, right? And I said it'll never happen again. And basically I became a paralegal. You know, I just started gathering. I knew I would have my day in court, so I started gathering all the information, organizing it, you know, documenting it, documenting all the calls. So, because judges like that, <laughs> and yeah. lawyers like that as well, because I had been, I had been, uh, you know, bloodied by the lawyers. You know, lawyers, lawyers get paid too, so they're trying to get paid, and I'm thinking I can withstand all this. I can fight one record company, but I can't fight two. So. Um, you know, while all this is going on, you know, Womp There It Is is still alive, you know, but every couple of years, you know, it's like, we go do this show here, we'll go do a TV show here, uh, and then all of a sudden, here comes Elf, which blows it up again. So, at that point, I'm thinking, you know, I have a forever hit record. It's never going to die. <laughs> and, you know, because it's an Elf, every year at Christmas time, we basically, Woomp There It Is is a Christmas song. But then not only on that side, you know, Woomp There It Is was a clean record. So Disney had Woomp There It Is. And that's what started my voiceover career because I actually taught the voices, the, the husband and wife team um, that do Mickey and Minnie Mouse, I taught them how to rap. rap. <laughs> and we made a record. And we're in, I'm in the studio Whoa. with the voices of Disney, you know, teaching Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse how to rap and we made a record <laughs> and I'm talking about voiceover and animation right and that just kind of got me interested in all of that but I didn't realize what I had at the time these are all things that you know you don't these are all things that I try to teach young people mm. because I have had so many opportunities that I didn't take advantage of because I wasn't ready I wasn't prepared and I wasn't thinking about it and, you know, that is a weakness I had to correct, right? So we're going, you know, we're going along, to, you know, in 2000s, um, you know, what, what I meant to say is that the Whoop There It Is experience, right, that kept the record alive for children, right? So even when adults have forgot about it, children are being exposed to this record over and over and over and over, and they're loving Yeah. And you fast forward to the 2000s, Kids Bop. You look up Kids Bop, 
Kids Bop is where it's almost like jock jams. They take the most popular records, they remake them for children, and then they make albums and videos and all kind of stuff, right? Merchandise and everything. Right. Kids Bop, Womp There It Is, was the number one song on Kids Bop. <laughs> so Kids Bop goes to every school in America, at preschools and elementary schools. And in preschools, they take kids bop and play it for the kids to wear them out so they go to nap time. <laughs> and in elementary school, it's like a reward. You guys can have fun and dance the womb. There it is. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't realize this till, you know, till recent, not recently, but a few years ago. And so you got all this time, children are being exposed to womb. There it is. So generation after generation after generation is exposed to this song. So these kids are growing up knowing this song. Right. So that's why when something happens, it becomes big because kids know it and adults know it. And we're talking game commercial. We've done, Moon There It Is has been in so many things and so many movies that it's always going to stay alive. So fast forward to 2012 record company a finally gets their day in court because they just kept motioning kept motioning and they had to find a circuit court that will take the case and they finally got their day in court and record company a prevailed and they got a 2.4 million dollar judgment against record company b right. right but i went to that trial and when they when i walked in that trial everything stopped we had we had to take a recess because it just turned just everything turned to chaos <laughs> because no east side didn't know who i was going to be you know whose part i was going to be a part of or how i was going to react or if i was going to throw a monkey wrench in the whole proceedings or whatever and i was just there to observe right and that was crazy and experience i'll never forget and you know i just realized that just keep preparing right get all the notes get all the all the discovery Get all the lawsuits, get all the things, you know, get, make this timeline perfect. And record company A starts appealing. They appeal, they lose. They appeal again, they lose. They're on their last appeal. Their last appeal is to the Supreme Court. Can you imagine wow. the Supreme Court had to took that case? <clears throat> Supreme Court takes the case on the whoop. There it is. Oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> right, wild. but, you know, it, it, it's crazy because they were, at, they were at that last gasp, and they were like, well, if we go down, you guys are going down. And that's when I had to fight. And we got our lawyer. I got a lawyer. I found an incredible lawyer, young lawyer and gave her all that information that I prepared for all those years. She came up with six or seven scenarios, and right off the bat, they were like, you guys are out of it. You can't get nothing from that was That's the only part I was really worried about. And then we end up getting, you know, having favorable terms and it got resolved. And it's like, you know, it, it, it was a good day, but, you know, it's like war. You you win the war, but those battles, you know, you lose an arm, you lose a leg, right. you know, you sure. eye patch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. War is right. not good, but, you know, I'm still breathing. I'm still living. So I have a choice. What do you do with your life? You know, and that that's how I've always been. I haven't been a cry over spilled milk and been a bitter old rapper because <laughs> I have a forever hit song, right? No matter what, whoop, there it is, is a hit song, no matter if it's 20 years ago or now. Right. right. So, you know, but it, it took a lot out of me and I was kind of depressed, you know, and I had started um, voiceover training in like 2008. 
and it was one of the most difficult things I ever had to do. And I just couldn't get it. But I was still making, I was still working. I would work and I worked for Apple Music. I would do radio spots for the clubs that I worked. I mean, so I was doing it, but I didn't have mastery over my voice. And it just, you know, I've been training on that for a long time. And after the trial was 2017, I was, uh, I laid in the bed for about a month <laughs> trying to figure out what am I going to do, right? Like, it took so much steam out of out of my cells. I just was like, okay, are you gonna do voiceover? You can't make music again because it's not in you. Because you know, after a while, you know, it's a young man's game. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say it's a young man's game, but it has to be in your heart, right? Yeah. You have to want to be a rock star to be a rock star. If you don't want to be a rock star, don't want to go. You know, you want you gotta want fame, the money, and and the uh, whatever the other thing is. But if you can't have two. <laughs> Got one. What is the fame? I, I want to say fame, money, and the girls, but I know that's not it. That's just where yeah. I was going. <laughs> but I didn't, you know, I was I was okay. I was happy in my life because I'm, you know, I'm a licensed commodities broker. So I learned about finance. You know, I'm working in the clubs. So I said, you know what? If I'm working in the clubs, I might as well they call it getting in the corridor, right? Because I was big in the self help in the two, early 2000s. And that's what got me through, just listening to Anthony Robbins and all just all the books that everybody listens to with self-help. And then right. a couple of years later, they still don't do anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I did things, right? And this one book was like Get in the Corridor. So I said, okay, since I'm at the club, let me put together a business plan for the club for their marketing and show them how I can change their bottom line. And I learned how to put together a business plan. It took me a year. And I didn't realize it would be that difficult to put together a business plan. Mm. But I put together a business plan. Lovely lady, Miss Terry Fisher, who owned the club, I uh, did a PowerPoint presentation in front of her. And she was so impressed. She cut me a check for $25,000. And I was marketing for the club. Awesome. And now, you know, I'm not just a DJ. I am an invaluable asset to the company. So I'm, doing, I'm changing the lights. I'm doing the sound system. I'm doing the radio spots. I'm doing the graphics, I'm doing the photography, I'm doing all these things. And all these are ways to hone your skills in one place where you can make a whole bunch of money. So you have all these streams of income in one place. That's why I DJ so long. Mm-hmm. So I got good at all these things. And, you know, it just really served me well. And 2000, you know, 2011, uh, was a turning point because that's when I was at work and people, uh, somebody called the club. They're like, we got to speak to DC. And they claimed to get me. And I'm in the club Saturday night. It's like, DC, they will not get off the phone. I was like, Ugh. So I go to the front and ladies like, DC, this is something from the New York Times. I need to talk to you. It's like, okay, but please call me in the morning because I'm at work. And this record's about to go off, right? So I had to run back to the DJ booth. <laughs> she calls me in the morning, and she's like, I'm such and such from New York Times. And I just, did you know that Gawker just released an article that Barack Obama was in your video? And the world is going nuts right now, and everybody's trying to find you. And I was like, what? And she was like, I was like, how did you even find me? She's like, whew, it was rough, but I found you, right? And I thought about it. I was like, that can never happen again because we missed out on a lot of money on that Barack Obama episode, right? Yeah. 
just from a PR standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, to yeah. turn that into tons of shows because we didn't have a web presence. From that day forth, I vowed that that would never happen again. And that's when I started my SEO career, search engine optimization. Right. You know, when you type in, you know, type in whatever you're looking for something, you type it into Google, right? Well, you're on the first page. You're going to sell a certain amount of widgets because all the eyes are on you and you're satisfying a need that people have. Right. Right. And I learned it and it was hard. It was difficult. Learned how to build websites. It took me took me eight, nine years to learn that because it's a moving target as well. Sure. So I now, you know, I'm doing voiceover. I'm using all my little talents that I've accrued, accrued all this time. And I'm laying in the bed, 2017, depressed, trying to figure out how I'm going to get out of bed and, and live the rest of my life, right? And that really is the only time I've ever been like that. And then I got a call from this company. They said, we want you to do do the voiceover for all our industrial stuff inside that in the house. We got 10 grand for you. I was like, yep, I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> And just because I had, you know, I, I didn't give up, but I just needed a break, right? Right. I just needed a break to readjust and, and just think and figure out some things. Yeah. And I started with voiceover and just really, you know, I'd already been doing voiceover, but then this was the biggest one I had booked to date. And then I booked it. I did it. I had some money in my pocket now because I was kind of depleted from the legal issues, right? Mm -hmm. Just going through that lawsuit. Lawyers are not cheap, and I had <laughs> really? to pay these lawyers, right? They, they're not cheap, and I had to pay because we had to win because we get we get royalty uh, royalties, right? Right, and that's basically my pension plan, right? I get we get money all the time. I get a good living wage because of whoop. There it is, right? Doing nothing. I could have done nothing if I had to, but. You know, I still have to supplement it with things. You know, some years it's good, some years it's not, right? right? But, you know, when it's when it's steady, it's a good living wage. And that was about to be taken away from me, and I had to fight. So I fought rigor vigorously <clears throat> and prevailed. And then um, started voiceover, and then I got an agent. People store agency in Atlanta, Georgia, right? They're like, you need African-American talent. And, like, you know, here I am. And they start throwing me so many auditions and I start booking and I'm like, man, you guys are doing a great job for me. And I'm in the office one day and the owner comes and sees me. Her name is Rebecca, Rebecca Schrader. And she said, I love your face. Put him on camera. <laughs> Wait a minute. Huh? And she's like, put him on camera. And it's like, okay. And they were like shocked because usually the people store, you got to audition first before they think about putting you on camera. Right. She just came in and just saw something in me and said, put him down. And I was like, what I got to do? He's like, you got to go to class. You got to get some headshots. I was like, okay. And once I started taking acting classes, everything changed. And I fell in love. And it was like being a kid again, right? Uh -huh. it, was, it was like buying those two raggedy turntables I bought with a Radio Shack mixer <laughs> all over again, <laughs> right? And... I was in class every day, sometimes two, three times a day. I went through every instructor in Atlanta. I was going through instructors in L.A. and uh, New York. I trained hard. And I booked my first TV commercial probably in about, maybe about three months in. Wow. Before I even auditioned for the People Store, right? For a barbecue commercial. And then 
you know, stuff, just local stuff and regional stuff for hospitals and whatnot. And this is on camera. And I'm like, I'm booking more on camera than I am voiceover. So that was my new trajectory, right? You know, that, that and building, you know, trying to get us shows. I was like, now it's time to do shows. I want to, I want to be on tour again. Right. And so I started reaching out to booking agents because we do, we were doing, we're probably doing like five, six shows a year, but we do halftime shows, NBA halftime shows, right. and, uh, uh, NFL halftime shows, stuff like with sports, easy stuff. And but they pay it paid well, so you can do five or six of those a year. You're straight. That's another living wage. That's a nice supplement, right? Nice. And yeah. plus, I invested well, so I, you know I'm straight. But booking agents were like, no, you're um, you know you guys only got one song, and here's where. I don't know if it started here or it's just been, it started way back when, but my whole, if I had a theme song, it would be learn how to learn, mm. right? That's my whole approach to everything. Learn how to learn. There are other ways to achieve your goals. Mm. You don't have to just do it one way. Right. So the one way with the music industry is you get a booking agent and they go find you gigs and beg for you and then you can do some shows. But that wasn't working because they have power over you and they're only the middleman. Right. So when that ha I, I, I figured out that anything you want to do, all you have to do is join an organization. There's an organization out there or a society out there that are full of all the professionals that can teach you what that whole industry is about. So if you want to make group homes, there's a group home one. If you want to do, if, you, if you're selling, uh, you know, one of my friends was, you know, trying to sell collectibles. I was like, join an organization. They'll tell you how to do everything. Because their organizations are full of people that have been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. And they love to talk about what they know. Anybody who's been in the game that long, they love to depart their information because it's their responsibility as they get older. And anybody sure. who's willing to listen, they will give them everything, right? So I I uh, joined this organization called uh, International Entertainment Buyers Association and paid the dues. And I went to their conference, and it was 5,000 people at this conference in Nashville. And myself and chubby checker were the only black people there <laughs> <laughs> and i was the only one there with a big whoop there it is t-shirt on <laughs> uh, pretty much a walking <laughs> billboard right but this is what you have to do right i wanted to see and i had my business cards and i just went around networking i said hello my name is dc glenn you might have heard the song whoop there it is and then you have to pitch yourself we're a clean 90s nostalgia rap group and we just, I just wanted to introduce myself and just want to know if you want to you know we can do some shows or something like that and the fact that I say clean rap group you can see their ears perk up yeah and <laughs> it, it just it snowballed from there and people are hard rock cafe because there's a hierarchy you have these are the buyers these are the people who book the actual entertainment from you know the middle people right. right so these you have the buyers and then you have the venues which are the arenas the stadiums the concerts the casinos and then you have you know your live nations and your your, your big time promoters and then you have your middle promoters the ones that 
I'm trying to reach out to. You know, you got the big agencies, and then you got your mom and pop promoters or, or uh, booking agents. Then you got your managers and promoters, and then you got the artists. Right. And I circumvented all that. And next thing you know, I'm doing state fairs. We're doing, you know, uh, we're going out overseas. We're going here. We're going there. We're doing casinos. We're doing Indian reservations. We're doing everything, right? Rodeos, just a variety <laughs> of different shows. But all those add up to 15 to 20 shows a year. Mm. And then we get on tour with a freestyle tour because they have these little nostalgia shows. So you got I, I Love the 90s tour. Right. If there's if there's 50 dates, we're going to get 10. You got the freestyle, you know, freestyle show of the 80s. If there's 50 dates, we're going to get 10, 15. Mm. Right. And those those are the easiest because we go on. We always open. I don't mind opening up because we've already been paid and we get the party started and then we get to go home. Right. I'm not in it for. I want to be a rock star. They gotta right. love me. Why can't we go fourth and fifth? <laughs> I used to be mad back in the day. We we're on Budweiser Superfest, but you know why we gotta always go first? Because right. you're on the tour with SWV, Jade, you know, Shy, Bell right. Biv DeVoe, uh, 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 Silk, and MC Light. <laughs> so where are you gonna go first? But but I I tell you that is you know because every time I hit a brick wall. That's what I do. I join the organization, and you know, just, you know, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm acting. Everything's going, and then, you know, we, I drop the tag team site, and I'm like, cool. We're gonna be. I'm gonna have the biggest website ever because I know SEO, mm-hmm. and that was a struggle because you know, five years ago, you type in tag team in uh, search, saw wrestling. <laughs> right, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, what is this? But, but wrestling you know, or porn? Yeah. <laughs> I think you say at the beginning of this show. <laughs> he never listens to his words. Oh my god! But to because of my hard work and my hustle and my tenacity and my thinking outside of the box and never quitting, you type in tag team today. It's all tag team. Awesome. And it was like that back in like it was getting better as we went along. Then I lost the deal to the Cleveland Cavaliers because a lady called me and she was like, I couldn't find you. And I was like, Yeah, you could. You didn't try hard enough. She was <laughs> like, No, I couldn't. And I was like, Did you type it? I said, We're we're everywhere. I'm looking at it now. She's like I said, You type in tag team? She's like, No, I typed in whoop, there it is. I was like, Oh <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I gotta do whoop, there it is too. Type in womb, there it is. Just a whole bunch of mundane mumble jumble from back 20 years ago. Just tons of irrelevant information, yeah. right? The Wikipedia's had irrelevant information. So I had to learn how Wikipedia works inside out. So I had to change all the Wikipedia pages. And that took years because I'm not the greatest writer, even though everybody thinks I am. But I writing is a struggle but i guess that what writing is why people become good writers because it's so painful and it's such a struggle mm. but it was a struggle for me and you know lo and behold both the both the wikipedia pages are up to date and i've got womb there it is up to date and because i did that and, and lay good breadcrumbs to make sure that anybody can find me anytime anywhere anyhow i get a call from geico 
but I didn't answer the phone. <laughs> right? And, uh, but I go, you know, they left a message, but I didn't know this. And they found me on IMDb. And because I filled out my profile so well, it led them to my agent. And my agents called me and said, DC, you just booked a Geico commercial. And I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't even audition for a Geico commercial. <laughs> I said, why, why are y'all playing with me? And it's like, no, Geico Carter, you booked a Geico commercial. And I was like, wait a minute. Tag team. Oh, I forgot about tag team. <laughs> I'm thinking that's actual, right? <laughs> and uh, so I go back and look at my messages and boom, Miss Miss Ashley from, from Martin Agency calls like, Geico wants to use you. We got to add. You want to do something. So I was like, okay, I'll take it from here. But because of my experience, I'm already in a good situation with my agents. I let my agents make the deal. Now it's just the perfect opportunity to tie tag team in with an agency that is very renowned. It has a good reputation and has all the things I need to make the proper deal. Right. So we made the deal and I went to work. People were like, aren't you just excited about the, about this commercial? And I was like, I was excited the first two days, but then I knew I had work because, you know, first and foremost, I'm an actor and, you know, I just, I know what I have to do. And because, you know, I'm an actor, I put in so much work, right, that I had to prepare for this. Most people were just showing up. Right. And I was like, nope, I'm going to prepare for this. And all that preparation, I, I talk about preparation, preparation a lot because it is the key. You got to be prepared for when opportunities come your way. Right. And and I learned that back in the, in the days of Whoop. There it is. I I could have been an actor in 1995 when I'm sitting in the office, the president of New Line Cinema, talking about, you know, we want to audition you for uh, the, the first Blade movie. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. But I don't know what the heck is going on. I'm not trying to, I don't know nothing about acting because right. I was not prepared. Nor was I trying to be an actor, but I've always wanted to be an actor all my life. So it should have been some type of preparation there. But I'll never get it. I, and, and he was like, we're looking at LL Cool J. We're looking at Wesley Snipes. We're looking at, you know what I mean? Just yeah. done, And I'm like, yeah, you know all these dudes. But then it's like, you, and, and I'm here sitting with you talking about it because <laughs> we did Adam's Family. So I'm sitting with the CEO of uh, Paramount. <laughs> Right, we, uh, we're doing all kind of things, like that, and all these opportunities are there. I got an opportunity to make a song for the Olympics wow. because I don't know how to be my own, you know, music production coordinator and engineer. I couldn't take advantage of that. Right, right. So all these things, and these are painful reminders that preparation is the most important thing. Yeah, every... you better be prepared because if you're not prepared, it's your fault. That's why pandemic. One of the I, I, you know, pandemic was horrible. I lost a lot of people, right? On the flip side, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it forced all of us to stop mm. and say, what the heck are you doing? And, you know, people are like, I'm hustling. I'm a hustler. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm working, right? All my life. But then, you know, I'm revving that engine. I'm in that car. I'm going. But I'm looking outside. I'm not moving anywhere. Because I'm stuck in mud. I'm just spinning mm. my wheels. Yeah. And the question I ask myself, what are you going to do? Because we all were panicked a year ago. 
basically a year ago, we were panicked. And I was like, voiceover. Because you can do it at home. You don't got to be around anybody. And you got all the equipment you need. Mm. So I went back to 2008 and went, just went over all my old, every every class, every voiceover set, everything I do, I record. So I had I had to archive it, organize, organize it, because it was all over the place. The cloud services all over the place. And it took me about a week just to organize it. Then I went back to the first session when I flew to New York with Joan Baker and Rudy Gaskins. And it was so heartbreaking because I had to listen to my 10-year-ago self. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, I had to listen to the conversations I had with people with my 10-year-ago self. I had to listen to me not getting voiceover, not understanding it. And I realized I didn't understand it because I didn't know the language, right? And mm -hmm. because I started taking acting lessons and I kept with it, I knew the language. And the first voiceover script I did, it was really heartbreaking. It was so cringeworthy. It was like, I just, you know, I almost cried. I was like, oh, my God. And then <laughs> I realized that it was my fault. Because back then, I thought I could just whoop, there it is, my way through anything, right? Yeah. You know, DC the brain spring. Hey, I do yeah. this. <laughs> but it slapped me down so hard that I had never been slapped down that hard back then. And I said, let me do this over and, listen, and take their notes and listen to what they're telling me. And when I did that first voiceover over, voiceover over <laughs> but i did that first one over it was angelic that was the first time in my life i had mastery over my voice just from a couple of notes awesome. and me understanding what they were saying and then for the month of march i went through 40 of those two-hour sessions took notes wrote things down and just started booking instantly right mm -hmm. just just ad after ad industrial whatever i'm booking and it worked it was the reinvention of dc the brain supreme right. right and i said from here on out there there can be nothing left undone because you get one life my father had died uh it passed away the 12th on the 18th well actually he passed away in uh 2018 I'm so glad because he passed away right before the pandemic. Mm. But when he passed away, it was most, you know, when a parent passes, it's usually just, you know, gut wrench or whatever it is. For me, it was a glorious event because my father was ill, right? He didn't have cancer or anything like that. He was just old. And he passed away, you know, in his own house, uh, you know, in his own, on his own terms, you know, with his family on his 82nd birthday. Wow. I'm like, dude, I couldn't ask for nothing more be being greedy. <laughs> but the beauty of me and my father's relationship is that he taught me everything he possibly could teach me. So there was nothing left unsaid, nothing left undone. Mm. And for me in my life, I have to, I don't want to leave this world talking about, man, I wish I had just finished learning how to make music, or I wish I had learned how to play this, or I wish I had did this, right. or I wish I had did that. That can't happen, right? So the pandemic was perfect for reinventing yourself because, and I, I just, I, I've been doing podcasts 
probably probably about six months before it, right? And just every now and then, a little hip hop podcast. This dude was like, "Man, I think you'd be a good, you know, guest," and he would get me podcasts. Mm. And it was just like it was fun for me. I'd be practicing, you know, I practice articulation. I practice, you know, that kills fourteen birds with one stone. <laughs> so when uh, I start booking a voiceover. I get a call from my acting coach. Hey, DC, what you doing? You willing to travel? The acting coach in LA. So I'm cast for this movie. I want you in it. You be in Nebraska? I'm like, I sure can. Hey, I'm not scared to fly. I'm masked down. I'll be alcoholed up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, I, it, it, hey, I had the whole plane smell like alcohol. I disrespected my, my area so good. <laughs> and I uh, went to Nebraska. And I was in the middle of Nebraska, in the middle of cornfield, shooting my first movie. You know, the week that George Floyd got killed and we're watching the world burned around us. Wow. Right. And I'm in a place that's safe and we're peaceful and we shooting a movie and we're having fun. I'm meeting new people and we're bonding together. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life because awesome. I always wanted to, you know, that's my first one. I've done the commercials and all that. I actually booked a Pizza Hut commercial before the pandemic for March Madness with my first national commercial. And it was going to be good, too. <laughs> and we all know what happened. But I wasn't mad that I missed out on the money. I was I was, I was, was happy because I booked, right? It's like yeah. all that hard work is starting to pay off. And come back to Atlanta, and it's just crazy. But you keep moving forward. And next thing you know, here come another uh, cast director. Hey, I got a movie for you in the middle of Georgia called Mediator. Need you down there if you want to do it. Cool. I go down for three, four days. Shooting up, see my second movie. Then um, get a get a call from Tyler Perry. Um, th- th- there are people. Hey, we got a. We want you to be in this episode of House of Pain. Wow. Oh, I'm cooking now. And then I get the call from Geico. So two thousand twenty is one of the best years of my life. And the reason that I tell you about the Pizza Hut is because I booked that Pizza Hut commercial because I changed my approach. Because I would go into these auditions and just kind of fall apart. Because they would be like, do this, do that. You know, that's improv. Do this, do that. And I was just so, it was so awkward to me. That was the first time I said, you know what? Look at that script and make up some stuff. Right. Make up five to six different scenarios. Even if you don't use them, just make them up and have them ready. So you can just, if they say do this, do that. You're giving them something different that they haven't seen the whole day. Right. Because right? you got to look at it. If you, if you're looking at a hundred, you know, actors do the same thing over and over and over, you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. Right. And that's when it changed for me. And I bought that same approach to Geico. So when I started, you know, started uh, preparing, I said, I want five or six things that I can go to the director and say, I want to do these things, you know, and they get done. And the first one was the spinning scoop. Right. Mm. I wanted to make a spinning scoop. I tried to find a fabricator. Couldn't find somebody. I was like, man, that'd be cool if I got a spinning scoop. But I, you know, I kept that in my pocket. Um, sprinkles. I know children love sprinkles. Kids <laughs> love sprinkles. I don't even know why. <laughs> I, 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 why do you like sprinkles? I can't. I don't even understand it. Right. <laughs> but I knew that we had to have a million sprinkles in that commercial. If we're talking about ice cream, because originally the the, the script called. It was going to be called Soup There It Is. And I'm like, 
I'm trying to prepare for soup. There it is. It only lasts like two days. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at Seinfeld soup Nazi uh, episodes, <laughs> trying to get ideas. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> and they called, no, 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 we're gonna do ice cream. And I was like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> and it was reason it, it hit me so hard because um, my father used to make us ice cream. We used to make ice cream by hand. We had wooden the wooden cylinder then mm-hmm. we had the metal cylinder you fill the don't fill it with ice all around yeah right Put the eggs and your sugar and your milk and your vanilla in and then you're like i ain't about to do it y'all do it and me and my little brother used to sit there and take turns five minutes doing that churn yeah. <laughs> on that little crank and then 20 minutes later we got two big spoons we're eating ice cream out of an ice cream maker awesome. out, of, out of a out of a manual ice cream maker and we we were the happiest kids on earth. And I wanted to bring that essence to the commercial. Mm. So that's why I made, you know, did the sprinkles. I, I wanted to do the salt based sprinkles. There's a dance that, you know, bass artists, all the bass people do in, uh, you know, the South. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, I put that in there. So, you know, everybody down South would know that we were representing the South and they feel good about it, you know, and then just the way it all came together and, we had our uh, our uh, wardrobe, right? Sorry about that. No, that's fine. We had our wardrobe fitting, and I go to the director, and I'm like, I got a couple ideas, man. It's like, PC, whatever you want to do, we doing. And I was like, cool. All right, that that went that was easy. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I tried to get a scoop made, but I couldn't get it made, man. I'm just so hurt about it because it would have been incredible, but. Just, just go on to the next thing. He's like, no, nah, it'll be ready tomorrow. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, yeah, it'll be ready tomorrow. And like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. Like, okay, we're going to have a million sprinkles there for you. Jesus. Whatever. What, you got anything else? I was like, no, nah, that's it. I think it's something I'll tell you tomorrow. And when I got there, there was a spinning scoop for me. And I had to figure out how to use it because it was, you know, it was, <laughs> it, was a cave, it was cavemanish. You know what I mean? It was yeah. the first, the first, you know, iteration of it. But I got good at it as the day went along, and that's where that's how you know those little nuances are the things that make that commercial great, mm. and that goes back to preparation because most people that just showed up and did what the director said. But I'm gonna bring, you know, my, my acting coach Crystal Carson to L.A. She gave me an analogy. She told us a story in class, and she was like, "You're invited to a party, right? What are you gonna bring?" Some people are going to bring cheese and crackers. Some people, you know, bring a glass of wine. Some people right. going to bring a case of water. I'm like, not me. I'm bringing, I'm, I'm going to come, I'm bringing my DJ equipment. I'm going to DJ. I'm bringing the ice sculpture. I'm bringing a dance bear. I'm <laughs> going to cook for everybody. <laughs> we gonna, I'm going to set up a karaoke booth. The kids are going to have a little jungle gym in the back. And we're going to have a ball. And you will remember me. <laughs> you will remember that I was at this party over anybody else. And that's the approach I bring to everything now. Acting, voiceover, tag team, life. That's what I bring to everything. So we shoot the we shoot the video. I mean, not the video, but the uh, commercial. It was fun. You know, we had to take like 100 COVID tests. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, you know, because this, this was in uh, September, so we're in the height. And, um, you know, they were just amazed that we had energy. But I'm like, I've been a DJ all my life. I DJ eight hours a night. This is nothing. Plus, we're professionals, and this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun because the other actors, they were all in the same uh, improv troupe and didn't even 
didn't even know each other uh, auditioned for it. That was ironic. Yeah. And uh, Nikki, Tasha, the mother, she uh, she was a hip-hop dancer back in the 90s. And she knew every single dance. Yeah. <laughs> Uzby did the boop-boop, and then Amethyst, the young girl, she just had that look. And she had the little apple puffs. It was just, casting was just perfect. Perfect. And we did it all day. We had fun. We played. It was just, we were wore out at the end. Hmm. So then after that, it's like, I know that normally when there's a Geico commercial, whatever the artist is, they're going to go on tour because they're going to be on tour forever. And I, I, you know, was under, you know, I was not, um, let's say I was not disappointed that we weren't going to be on tour, right? Mm. I didn't cry over spilt milk because we're in a pandemic, so we're not going on tour. Right. Stuck. But I wasn't going to sit around and be happy because I had a Geico commercial, <laughs> right? Yeah. So what am I going to do? And I was like, I'm about to get a publicist and I'm going to blow up my acting and my voiceover. This is your opportunity, right? And publicists were like, well, we're in a pandemic. I mean, there's no premiere. There's no, we don't really know how to work this. And I'm like, Okay, so either you not really you don't really see what I'm trying to do, or you're just being nice and don't want to spend my money. So, mm-hmm. kind of hit a brick wall. And what did I do? I went and joined an organization. I went and joined the Public Relations Society of America (PRSA). And two days in, right, I jump on a Zoom with the CEO of this big PR firm, and I know you know. When you get to where I'm at and you try new things, you're always looking to validate your theories and your ideas and your approach, right? But you know how to ask the question, right? You don't ask the question in the sense of what you're doing. You ask the question in the sense of, you know, you're a helpless, you're a helpless young man just trying to make it in the world, right? (laughs) So (laughs) I raise my hand and I'm like, are press releases relevant? today but i know press releases are relevant because i wrote my press release back in december Mm. right but i something told me not to drop it at the beginning when the commercial came out do more research on how to make you know drop a press release the most effective way you can because i've dropped them before and you know they were you know it was mixed but now there's another there's another um caveat to this because this is an seo thing too right so dropping press releases can get you so much traffic to your site because if you have a do follow link and they pick up your article, put it on a news station or wherever, that's a link back to your site which gives you more authority and it boosts you up in the search engines. So there was two things, two things going, three or four things going on twofold, right? So I, um, you know, I said a press release is relevant. She was like, well, what's it for? I was like, well, I'm kind of, kind of featured in this national Geico commercial called Scoop There It Is. And I'm looking at the chat on the side of Zoom and I'm like, wait a minute, who what? <laughs> no. That's my favorite commercial. <laughs> blew up. My kid loves that commercial. My dog loves that commercial. My grand grand loves that commercial. It's just blowing up and moderator. I could see her looking at the chat like, what is going on? Hmm. Right? We get a lot of questions. She's like, wait a minute. And she's like, we'd like to welcome DC to the organization. He's new. 
And DC, we're going to talk about that Geico commercial afterward because we all love it. And but to his question, are they relevant? And you know, the guest was like, "Heck yeah, they're relevant, especially now, because everything was doom and gloom, right? Everybody had everybody had depleted all their content. Same with, like with movies, television, you know, journalism. Everything was COVID in journalism, so there was rarely anything. It was all politics. It was all everything that wasn't fun, right? It was just news, 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 news. So here I come with this, you know, press release about the Geico commercial, how fun it was, and and then creating my narrative that I'm an actor and a voice artist that needs to be dealt with and needs to be used in in this day and age. She was like, that is a good idea, and this is the best time to do it. And when you want to go find a journalist, you go here. And when you want to do this, you go there. When you want to do this, you go there. And you want to make sure your pictures are like this. And you want to do this, 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 that, and that. She gave me the entire game in 10 minutes. Nice. And I have not looked back. And that was my mission. I did. I dropped this press release on a Wednesday before the Super Bowl. Thursday, we get a call from Dan Patrick. Friday, we're on a Dan Patrick show in the morning. Since that press release, I've been doing five five podcasts, interviews, whatnot, every single day. Wow. Because I joined all those. I, I took her advice. She taught me the game, and I joined everything. I paid the premium for everything because I want to see what works. Right. And it all worked. We can have later, we're on Tamron Hall, national daytime television. I'm working on Ellen. I'm working on Good Morning America. I'm working on several things. I just can't get to it all. Yeah, right. and, and that is how I switched it from not crying over spilled milk because we can't do shows to building something that I would have never imagined that is serving me 10 times better than us doing shows, mm. which is creating a narrative to be successful in every endeavor I put out there and knowing how to get out, get it out there and just tell the world what I'm doing and on the flip side, inspire everybody through my story and let them know that one, you're never too old. So that's a crop, right? You're you're never too old to do anything new. You're never too old to reinvent yourself. You're never too old to do anything unless you're not breathing. Mm. So I keep, I stay on offense too. There is no quit pro quo. You don't work real hard to say, I, I got to do this to get this. You don't do that. You just throw it out there. Throw it out in the universe and you don't even... Are you going to sit there and plant a seed in the garden and sit there with your legs crossed and just watch it grow? Mm. No! <laughs> <laughs> you're going to come back in a week. You're going to water it. You're going you're gonna to be mindful of it. You're not going to sit there and look at it grow. So why would you say I'm going to do this and I want this back and if I don't if it don't happen for me I'm going to quit right right and because I take that approach I've taken that approach all my life all the seeds that I have laid you know all the you know back in the day recently I planted so many seeds and as of this day I'm now standing in a forest of opportunity created by my Created by my tenacity, creating my my willingness to learn new things, my willingness to have an open mind on things, 
and my willingness just to grind it out and just stay positive. And I don't know what to tell anybody else. It's, and it's, you know, only thing I want to do the rest of my days is just, you know, I, I, I get a kick out of talking to people because all I want to do is talk to people and it could be young, old, whatever. But just tell people the things that I wish somebody had told me when I was a young man. Right. Right. My parents, my parents raised me beautifully. Right. But my, my mother doesn't know, you know, how to deal with snakes in the music industry and avoid them taking advantage of you. Right. Yeah. These are things that you're going to have to, you're going to have to bump your head a little bit in life. Right. But it's about just, you know, getting back up and restructuring. And, you know, I said earlier, you got to be willing to listen to. You know, one of my childhood friends was like, you got to get the numbers from Geico. I was like, man, Geico ain't going to give me no numbers, man. Man, you got to get the numbers from Geico, man. You got to know what they're doing because you want to know what your value proposition is. I was like, man, ain't nobody talking about that corporate stuff, man. You tripping, <laughs> right? But I stopped and I said, listen, I'll, I'll react, of course, but I'm still going to listen. And I listened, I said, hmm, what if I could do it on my own? So then, now I'm in meetings with Nielsen, iSpot TV, you know, faking the funk, trying to get my value proposition. Mm -hmm. And because I did that, iSpot TV said, we'll give you the, we'll give you this information, which will cost somebody $15,000, $20,000 if you do an interview with us. Then you let us record it, and then we make our own advertising with you, because artists never do this. Nobody does this. What you're doing, and it's so interesting. And then you got a hot commercial too, and I write about commercials all day. So we want to do this, right? Because they didn't know quite know how to. That's like how much does it cost to be a part of your subscription to get data? And they were like, "Well, never did it like this. We can call you back." You know, same with Nielsen. I'm on a meeting with Nielsen and they're telling me all the stuff I need to know because it's another thing that I do. I, when I get stuck, I will act like I am about to use somebody's services. So now I'm making you pitch me while you teach me. Right? So Nielsen is pitching me while they're teaching me. Hmm. Uh, I did that with hedge funds back in the day. I was like, I'm going to have a hedge fund. I can get Michael Jordan. I can get Charles Barkley. I can get Deion Sanders. I can get everybody. Why should I let you manage my hedge fund? Oh, DC, man. First of all, I love the song and blah, 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 blah. But then they start telling me how. And while they're pitching me, they are teaching me. Mm -hmm. Right? And right. I'm all over the country meeting with different hedge funds. So I do these things. These are little new. These are outside the box. You want to use that old analogy. These are just ways of deep thinking differently to get the information you need. Because there's nothing better than having somebody who actually does it every day or actually does it, who's been doing it for years, tell you what it really is. Right. And, you know, because I did that, I now know what my my value proposition is because Nielsen was like it's going to be fifteen grand. Like that's a little steep for me. It's like whoa, well, we got some, we got a couple smaller companies that work with us that get the same inf you know information. Mm -hmm. We'll hook you up with them, and then you can you can work your deal with them, right? They're less way less expensive than us. So the fact that 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 they did that for me 
just goes to show you that just being positive and being just professional can get you more than you could have ever imagined, right? So now, the next, you know, when I ever get stuck on a deal and they're like, well, yeah, the Geico commercial is kind of over, though, so why should I'm like, bam, here's a pamphlet. This is why. Because this is my value proposition. This was the conversions. This was the happy index. This was this index. This is why. And this is why it happened. This is why you're going to pay me. <laughs> right? No one is thinking like that. Now, I don't know in the grand scheme of things, you know, some, I, I don't know people like, look who, look who you are. I'm like, yeah, look who I am. I could have sat back and nothing would have happened. Right? But the fact that I kept grinding and stayed on offense, even when there was no reason to do anything else. Right. I could have been happy with the Geico commercial and got the money, but there was no reason to do anything else. I took it upon myself to reinvent and to make myself a better man today than I was yesterday. If you could do that, you could do anything. Anything is possible. You know, people people are always looking for that magic pill. How how do you, how they do that? How they do this? You know, you just you you work, you work, and when you don't want to do something, you do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I booked my first TV show three weeks ago. From an audition, they sent me at twelve o'clock. It was like you gotta have it in by four. I was like, man, I don't even feel like doing this. Man. That's too much pressure. I'm about to do this. Mm-hmm. And one of my actor friends was like, boy, you better do that commercial. Come on now, let's go. <laughs> and I did the commercial. I mean, I, I did the did the audition, and I booked my first big television show because I went to all those classes and prepared as an actor. They saw something in me and wrote me two more pages on the spot. Then I had to learn two more pages in an hour. Wow! Now I had to learn two more pages in an hour. Then I'm the barber, and then I'm in a barber shop full of people. Now we're on set, and I got my little fake moves, but they're like, if they don't see you. Washing your hands, they're gonna be like a nasty barber. They just start getting on me. So they talk. I basically had to learn how to be a barber, scene take by take. Mm. By the third take, I knew I knew how to be a barber, right? Because I'm professional, and I love the challenge. I love things being hard. I, if it's hard, I'm jumping head in first because mm. they call me DC the Brain Supreme for a reason. <laughs> I come up with solutions. I'm a solutions person, right? I I have always been a big dude. And two years ago, I lost a hundred pounds. Wow! Never back. And I did it. I did it with keto, right? And it had been hard all my life, but it never messed nothing up. But then, you know, it's not healthy either. Right. And I know I'm at the age where it's like all you got is your health, and all these good things are happening. I was like, you know what? That's it. I was doing a show in Phoenix, sitting on stage, and I had all, I had you know because I had back issues too, and I'm. Sitting there with all these girdles and all this fat over the girdles, and somebody just had me at just the worst angle, just doing a Facebook live, and it was just horrific seeing myself like that. And that yeah. day, I was like, "That's it," and I called the doctor. I was like, "Hey, man, I need some pills. You got some pills? What new pill they got?" Yeah. Like, no, I'm not doing no pills. <laughs> like, but you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recommend you to this young lady and I talked to her and she's like I'm, I'm about to go on vacation I'll be back in two weeks we're gonna do the keto diet and I was like alright well, I'll try it and I was like okay I went and found everything and downloaded everything I could on keto that first day and started and by the time I met her I lost 15 pounds yeah. 
right? Right. And it just got good to me. And because and the only reason I got through keto, because everybody I would talk to about it would give me a, a reason, would give me something that was an obstacle from them doing it. Yeah. Or obstacle from them saying, I couldn't do that because I can't stand this, right? So every time somebody told me that, I just came up with a solution to that problem, right? Like, I was just, after about three weeks, I was feeding for fried chicken. Mm. <laughs> I was like, man, that was the thing that was going to just, that, that was the thing that was going to break, the, you know, the straw that was going to break the camel's back. Yeah. Then I what I figured out is, all you got to do is re-engineer food. So now... I'm figuring out, wait a minute, so how many carbs is in a tablespoon of cornstarch or a tablespoon of flour? Right. I can have 20 carbs a day. There's only four carbs in a tablespoon of flour. You can do your fried chicken. We go fry it in olive oil. Yeah, you can't use olive oil. Olive oil has a burn point that's too high. Like, yes, you can, because as soon as you're done frying that chicken, you put that oil in a batch, strain it, clean it. Now you got 15 fries out of one bottle of oil. Right. A solution. Now I can have fry. I can fry anything as a part of my staple diet, and it only has four carbs, which I haven't reached my limit for the day, and I'm still losing weight. My body's still in ketosis. My body's still using fat as the energy source, mm-hmm. right? And I came up with every solution that I could to everybody's problem, why they couldn't lose weight, and now it's my lifestyle. And then here come COVID, and that just wrecked everything. But I'm back on it because I knew I did it once. Now it's time to see what I'm made of to do it again. All I right. gained like 40 pounds back, but now I lost 30 pounds in the last month. Right. So I'm, I, I can do it anytime I want as long as I'm staying healthy. But what hurt me is that I didn't go to the doctor for a year because we were all cooped up. And you just stop, you stop monitoring yourself. You know, right. I, don't, I didn't know my blood work. I didn't know these things, right? And... Once I went back to the doctor after a year, I was like, that's part of my routine and my regimen, right? That's part of working out. And you can work out all day, but if you're eating unhealthy and you're doing unhealthy things, it doesn't even matter, right? It it helps, but it doesn't. You can't can't possibly burn that many calories working out, all the calories you're putting into you. So that's why that, you know, that's why it was just so effective. And that's a story to tell. Like, I'm about I'm being pitched for a cooking show. I'm being pitched for talk shows i'm being you know motivational speak like all these things come from a life of not giving up hustling you know meeting the challenge of adversity and the one thing i'm most proud of is that i've learned the ability to take any negative emotion pain envy heartache jealousy you know anger fear Right, I'm sounding like Yoda now. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know you can react to it, but react to it within yourself and put it in your pocket. Keep it inside, right? right. And if it's anger, well, I got a, I got a uh, got a podcast, not podcast, but a uh, audition coming up. Let me use this for this audition. If somebody does you wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to do me wrong? Okay, I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to burn the bridge between our relationship. But I am going to use this anger to show you how wrong you were. And when I show you how wrong you were, we won't even have to say a word. We'll see it in each other's eyes. Right? You use any negative energy 
to turn it into positive energy. And it's just fuel. Mm-hmm. It's just fuel to, you know, like, like there's a turn, let your haters be your motivators, whatever. People hate on me. That's the best thing you could do for me. Make it hard for me. Please. <laughs> because I'm going to take that anger and that fear. I'm going to overcome it with a positive attitude and come up with a solution. To move forward. And when we see each other again, I'm going to thank you. I just thank you for being you. They don't know what that means, but I say it all the time to people. Thank you for being you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being a jerk. Thank you for being, you know, thank you for, you know, because that's what it was. But I didn't burn the bridge. You know, I think about, you know, the thing about the difference between whoop, there it is, and scoop, there it is, is that whoop, there it is, happened back in the day and it was a it, it, if you think about it it was a slow progression right it was fast back then but it's a slow progression as opposed to today today you know on, on december 25th when they dropped that uh global youtube campaign where you type in youtube and we're my face is on the front of youtube and everybody's computer all over the world now the whole world sees DC the Brain Supreme simultaneously at the same time. Yeah. Any other time in history, that'd be I, I'd be cringing on that because I'm like I can't even go nowhere now. But because <laughs> we're in a pandemic, all wearing masks, nobody knows who I am. Last week was the first time somebody recognized. Me. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the pharmacy getting my pills because I'm a little old, right? And she's like, "Your your medicine is free because you know you got insurance." I'm like, "I want to get this Coke Zero." I was like, she said, go ahead, 219. I was like, okay, I slide my card. She's like, no, no, you gotta use the chip sprinkles. I'm like, not all sprinkles. And I just stood over my head down. She's like, I don't care if you get mad at me. Shoot, me and my daughter love you. Love love that commercial. I was like, you know what? And I really appreciate it. And you have made my day. Don't mind me. Just a little shocking to hear somebody call me sprinkles. (laughs) <laughs> but thank you, right? And I wake up every day, and I, I go through the hashtag, Scoop There It Is, Geico, Sprinkles, French Vanilla, Tag Team, Whoop There It Is. And I thank everybody who says something positive about that commercial. And it just brings so much joy to the world that I feel that I have been blessed beyond anything. Just to be able to say thank you to everybody who has enjoyed Whoop There It Is all over these years. You know, thank you to everybody who has a, a Whoop There It Is story that they have to tell me. You know, thank you for everybody just sending email after email after email, you know, telling me how much it means to them. I had a girl, it, it, it felt like she was trying to commit suicide, but she was like, she was so depressed, but that commercial kind of gave her perspective on things and she's better. I'm like, man, what is going on? Yeah, you just but never I know. I don't question it. I just <clears throat> embrace it. And that's why I do five podcast interviews a day because if I can change somebody's life with the words that come out of my mouth, so be it. And I'm more than happy to do it because it don't cost me anything. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, chat. I can just run my mouth on y'all like this, but I, I just, I, I'm passionate about what I do. And I, you know, this is a backstory podcast, and if that ain't a backstory, then no, it's awesome. 
<laughs> I, I I apologize for not living up to the expectations. Oh please, of... it's been great. <laughs> I knew it was gonna be just like it has been. I think it's been perfect because it definitely is an inspiring backstory, and it's one that people can not only enjoy for the entertainment purposes, but they can take it and apply it to their own situation. And if they're feeling down or, or just like the thing that stuck with me is the planting the seeds and how you, you don't sit and wait for those to grow right in front of you. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's very important that we just like throw the things out there that we have and then they will grow. Yeah. Um, it's just not maybe right at that second while we're watching for it to happen. Yeah. Because the intention's yeah. there. You did it for a reason, right? So yeah. how else do I know if it, some things take, you know, tomatoes take longer to grow than zucchini, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's common sense, right? So you, you can't, you can't, you know, a tree takes longer to grow than a weed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I mean it's, it's those, it's those different, you know, differences in time that, you know, make everything. But I'm looking, you know, it's like driving the ball. I'm looking back at my wake. And I'm like, whoa, that came back to me. Oh my gosh, that came back to me. And then you never know what situation you're going to be in that that seed grew. You never knew it grew, but it came back to you in a way that you could have, you would have, it would have never came to you any other time, any other way. Right? It, right? It's almost like a form of preparation. You prepared that tree, and now that tree is bearing the fruit for you. Like, look at the apples on this tree. Man. Mm. And that's what you needed to do what you wanted to do to the next thing, to get to the next thing. And then you become, you know, they say jack of all trades, master of none, which is crap to me because over a lifetime, you can be the jack of all trades. And, you know, if you do it right, you can become masterful at many of them, right? If there's 10 and you become masterful at five, I think those are pretty good, pretty good uh, statistics, don't you? Right, yeah. So you, it, it's hard enough to be good at one thing, right? But to be good at five things and have a master, you have a certain mastery over them, to where you can really, go, you know. And that's why I tell, I have hustles. You know, you gotta have, you gotta have six hustles in the hole. If one, that's what DJing taught me. Because when I DJ, I always, I sold mixtapes, I sold plates, I sold hand fans. If the uh, club owner was cheap, they want to fix the air condition, I go to the dry ice spot, get a buck, uh, cooler, dry ice, and go to ice cream. And bomb pops and all that, and sell it to the customer. <laughs> you gotta have six hustles in the hole because your main hustle, which is your job, all, all people who just trying to fit this analogy with their lives, and you lose your job, what is your other five hustles in the hole that you're nurturing? Right. Yeah. And I tell people, if you're, you know, in the pandemic, I'm trying to motivate my friends. I'm like, what are you waiting for? My family members. I'm like, if you are sitting here waiting for it to be the way it used to be you are going to be sitting here waiting around for, <laughs> right, right around for it to be the way it used to be when there is a whole new frontier in front of you <clears throat> the world we're, we're all in this together. we're all in this together yeah we're all in the serengeti together <laughs> what are you mm. gonna be a lion <laughs> crocodile <laughs> impala what are you what are you gonna be we are in we are in the Serengeti together. It is a drought. How are you gonna survive? Right. Right? 
how are you going to survive when the rain comes and replenishes everything and then everything is different right everything is different then you don't know what what, what, what how did what right like for me acting oh and those skills like uh, like you were talking about i mean nobody really expected a pandemic i don't think and no. you never know what the situation's going to turn that a skill that you had that you never thought was going to be anything uh, will turn out to be very crucial for you during, uh, you know, like in the pandemic where you talk about you could go back to the voiceovers, you could go back to, you know, these things that you hadn't um, used for a while and you could uh, refine those. So you, you just never know. Like if you're always like improving and gathering new skills, you never know when they're going to be called upon to, um, and that's yeah. that's, that's yeah. preparation for that to happen. Like right now, if your Zoom game is not good, you're not gonna make no money. Right. Right. If you can't if you can't get on with the Zoom and make some money or any other platform, because because I do this so much, there are 15 different platforms, right? And you know, it's just it's just you better know how to use all of them. But because it's like that, I you know I've taken upon myself to. You know, I'm trying to uh, get better at everything. I have tons of tutors. <clears throat> I have two tutors for music production. So now, when you have a tutor, and you tell and you really tell them what you want to do, they could turn around and say, "We're not going to do it the traditional way." Because think about it, pandemic. You got half the teachers out there, half the people who are educators, saying, "I am not about to go into some classes with some nasty ass kids." <laughs> Period. <laughs> so what did they do, right? They went and they started tutoring online. So now I use a site called Wyzant, W-Y-Z-A-N-T. Anything you want to learn, you could pay somebody $30, $40 an hour and learn from a person who might have been a Harvard professor mm-hmm. teaching the same thing, who might have been a professor at a high school, <laughs> or a professor at college just a professional who does it every day who lost their job because that's the only way they know how to make make money and they're making money hand over fist because they're teaching people so they're not only staying fresh but they're learning new things as you teach because i learn more by talking to people right i hash out different ideas that i have you might say something that just changes one little thing for me and i'm like whoa i can do this and then with acting you have all these actresses this is a good one too I changed my approach to acting. Acting was always, it was hard, not because it was acting, but because when you do an audition, you got to have somebody read for you. So if you don't live with anybody, you don't have anybody to read for you, you got to use one of these houses to go, you know, a uh, uh, audition house. Right. Now you got to pay them $70 for a half hour, and then you nervous, you go over there, and then you can't get the lines right. Then you have a terrible audition, and that's three hours out of your day to have a bad audition to lose $70 out of your pocket. Right. Right. But there's a site called We Audition where you have tons of readers who live all over the world that can't get auditions that don't act anymore. You got New York shut down, L.A. shut down. So they make their income reading for people for $25 an hour, wow. right? So now I've come up with a solution that was one of the biggest you know, impediments to my acting career, which is having a reader. You know, I stay in class, but even in class, class, you might get up 
to do what you want to do one time because you're in a class with 15 people. So you never get to practice, right? Mm -hmm. We audition. I can practice with five different actors a day, right? I can rehearse four or five times before I even do the audition with people. I might be, I might be uh, rehearsing with a Broadway singer or a Broadway actress or an L.A. actress of a soap opera or a person who's been in movies all the time or a stunt person who just wants to be an actor but knows how to... Re I'm, I'm dealing with professionals who were making tons of money and then got stopped in their tracks. <coughs> so I spend way more money with them because I know they know it. And I'm helping. We're all a community. And we're all helping each other. Right. Now they really invested in me because they look up and they're like, okay, hey, DC, how you doing? None of them know who I am until they get curious. Like, he was cool. Let me see what his social looks like. Hmm. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> are you serious? Are you serious? <laughs> and then next cool. time I see him again, it's like, why didn't you tell me you, you was wounded? There it is. Yeah. So we're, we're here to act, right? We're I'm here to train. Hmm. And now I can't even go on Clubhouse. For those who don't know, Clubhouse is Clubhouse, the newest you know social network where everybody just gets on and runs their mouth. But right. you can have you can have a room and you could be the moderator of a room and just you know. Just have conversations. And what happens is you have all these acting ones now, and I can't even get on because everybody's trying to pull me in their room. I can't even enjoy it anymore because they want <laughs> me to talk because when they hear me talk, they know that I'm, you know, I know what I'm talking about. Like, I went on this acting clubhouse, and, you know, they're always casting directors and producers and directors lurking because... They love they love the craft, but they love to teach a little bit too, and they love they're looking for talent as well, right? So if they see something they like, they can pull them to the side and say, "Hey, you know, give me a call, let's talk." I got on there, I got on there a couple months ago, and I was like, "I'm on weekly audition for like two, you know, everybody's asking these you know, two three hours a day. Everybody's asking the questions that mean nothing. Well, if a casting director doesn't like my hair blonde, should I turn a brunette? Or does this blonde <laughs> audition?" Been I think that the, you know, me not going to class is a good thing because I want commercial. And I'm like, it is infuriating because they're asking the same dumb questions I used to ask three years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And the only thing that, and I, you know, when they say, DC, well, what do you think? I was like, I don't know what y'all talking about, but all I know is that acting is like working out. If you don't put in the reps, you're not going to gain any muscle. Right. Period. You're not going to get in shape. All of you who have not been doing anything during this pandemic are so far behind now because there are there are those of us who are on we audition three, four hours a day training, getting putting the reps in. I said the only way to do it is through it. All you gotta do is work. All the other stuff will take care of itself. You have no control over that. The only thing you have control over is what you do from day to day. And I choose to work and train and get better and and learn and improve and inspire we all have a choice right I, i'd be like you know what i ain't gonna do nothing the rest of them i'm laying in this bed <laughs> but i can't even possibly fathom doing that because it's i have a choice my choice is to work i gotta go in here and work right this is work now mm. i love it see i'm passionate about it and 
if I get everybody to see things how I see it, you know, I just know I can make, I can touch the world. That's my responsibility. You know, I, young, young dudes in the rap game come to me all the time. They're like, DC, please tell me the formula. Put me in the game. Just tell me how to do it. I'm like, all right, give me an email. I said, there's a folder I'm going to send you. It's got a book in it. And if you don't like to read or can't read, then there's a video in there for you. When you finish that, call me. I can tell you 99% of the people do not call me. Right. Because they all want to be stars. They all, right. they all have, they're all succumbing to the worst, worst sugar highs in life. Hmm. Right? Fame. But there's the 1% who's like, calls me like, DC. I tried to read it, but I just don't understand. Now, how does this, how does this, like, at least he tried, so let me tell him. And he's like, oh, my gosh. Man, thank you. Hmm. And I'm like, now, I can give you the next thing. Because I feel good now because I know that you will never be taken advantage of in this music industry. And what I have in that folder is a book on music publishing. Because if I had known music publishing at the beginning... I wouldn't have got taken advantage of. Mm. Now, no one will ever be able to take advantage of you. Let's move on to the next. You want to do shows? Okay, here's how you do shows. I want you to read this book. I want you to look at this. And what do they say? You cannot eat an elephant at one setting. got to eat it a forkful at a time. Right, yeah. If I don't give everybody the whole game at one time, you have to get past one thing before I tell you the next thing. And the people who do that, this guy, I had a guy, Afghan, Afghanistan veteran, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. I changed his life because he really wanted to be a rapper. And he was writing real war stories. And I listened to his music and I was like, there's something there. I said, you, you might be able to help other people that are going through the same thing you're going through, through your music. Right? And he started doing shows. He's like, DC, I'm like, I got a show I'm making. Can you come see me? I was like, nah, I ain't coming to see you. But I appreciate, but I, I'm proud of you, right? <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I'm not driving to make it to see you. I was like, I, you've already done what you've already exceeded my expectation. Keep working, right? And then the pandemic happened, and, you know, you just don't know. But I know that he will never get taken advantage of. It's one person. There's another girl, there's a couple other people that are like that. And if you can get three out of thousands, I'm cool with that because I tried. Right, I did everything yeah. I could my power to help somebody. And, you know, you know, my another one of my models is you give what you want first. My father taught me that. It's like he's he, he said I went to San Francisco and you know, I I this bum on the street was like, Sir, can you please give me some money, go get something to eat? So I gave him five dollars and he, I watched him go to the liquor store. <laughs> it pissed me off so bad, right? And I, I you know, I when I I talked about it with my mother, my grandmother, right? And she was like, Boy, it was, when you gave that man that five dollars, it was out of your hands, and your blessing was secured. What are you mad about? Mm-hmm. So that's that goes back to you just throw things out of the universe, and you don't sit there and watch the plant grow. You give what you want first, right? And if I gave that man five dollars because I wanted him to get something to eat, then I know my plate is gonna always be full of food. Right. If I give this person this money to, you know, pay for a lawyer, I gave a friend of mine. She's about to sign a terrible uh, real estate contract, and this is a good go back to learning how to learn. I didn't. I hired a lawyer, but I didn't hire it the traditional way. 
I hired it off of Upwork, the outsource site. Right. Because there are paralegals who know that whole game because they work for lawyers in real estate. So you got somebody who can give you advice on things and tell you things that it's going to cost a fraction of what you would have paid a lawyer. Right. Right. Instead of $500 an hour, it's going to cost you $50 an hour. And that's even steep. But at least you get the answers that you want. Solutions, right? So, you know, that's just how I... I got I got a hundred other things that I could just keep going and going and going and going because it's all about creating things that help you be better. Mm. And everybody can do it. And... You might have things I could never think of. Everybody has something different. Everybody, every, we are all different. It's just about the choices you make and how bad you want. Right. What you, you know, what you want to live for. You know, I'm, my age is like, what do you want to do, DC? I'm like, you guys do a good job for me. Like, DC, but what kind of roles are you looking for? Like, hey, man, you guys do great. I'm, I'm happy because I'm humble. Hmm. I'm not greedy, right? I'm, I'm thankful. They're like, DC. What is your bucket list? I'm like, oh, bucket list. Hmm. And I started thinking and it just, just rambled off the tongue. I want to be in The Mandalorian. I want to be in anything Star Wars. I want to audition for anything <laughs> Star Wars with John Trevor and Dave Leone. Uh, uh, whether it's live Nate, live uh, animation or, you know, live or animation. Yeah. And I'm, why am I in Atlanta? We shooting all these Marvel movies out here and I'm not in any Marvel movies. What's, what's going on there? I want to be <laughs> in everything. I want big. I want big movies with a little part. Right. Give me five lines with the rock, and I'm happy. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah, that's what's starting to happen. Because well, sometimes is... we don't we don't think we deserve things, right? That's that's kind of one of the you know that's part of being humble. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think you deserve it, and you just you 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 either overlook it. Not saying that you don't want it. You just kind of don't. Be greedy about it. It's a, it's a mechanism to keep you being not a greedy person, mm-hmm. or or you know just keep you out of that that lane. And now, you know, if I get on Ellen, I'm gonna be I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the narrative and run with it. I'm gonna be like somebody needs to tell Dave Leone and uh you know the Star Wars folks that they need to <laughs> they need to hire because they are missing out. <laughs> And somebody out there who knows them or their kids might be looking and say, I love their commercial. Right. That's how people get hired for shows. That's how exactly. People, sure. You never know. But it's not like I'm expecting that to happen, but I'm going to throw it out there. Yeah. Because somebody's going to go back to him and say, DC from Tag Team gave you a shout out. <laughs> and he's going to be like, my kids will not stop singing that commercial, but call his agent. Let's see what we can do. You never know how it's going to happen. Right. Like, Geico called me. Geico called me because they wanted to call me. Not for any other reason, because they like because of something I made 28 years ago. You got to look at it for what it is. They called me for something I made 28 years ago. They called me for something that they wanted to do a marketing campaign on. And they might have gave up after just a phone call, but they didn't. They, they, they wanted to find me because I left good breadcrumbs. They found me. Right. See all these things? I, I never thought because I filled out my IMDB the proper way that it would lead to me having a Geico commercial. Now, I can say that, but I can't say that. But because I, because it was there, it did lead to me doing a Geico commercial. Right. Like, you got you to gotta really look at it for what it is. It's a practical thing, right? Not a really a quick pro quo situation. 
I did this, therefore this has to happen. Right. Once you get that out of your mind, you're free. And you can just, you can just, you know, you, you, your mind is open. You get creative. And you just, things start happening because those seeds grow. And they, they, you just, they come back to you at the weirdest times. But that's, that's to me, that's what life is about. And that's what makes it so fulfilling to me, man. I just love life because it feels like, just feels like I've done it well, right? Mm-hmm. Like if my career stopped today, tag team has had the perfect career because we started strong and ended strong. Right. Nobody cares yeah. about stuff that happened in the middle, but they do because that made me the man I am today, and that helped me with adversity and it helped me be a stronger person, right? You need those things in life. You know, there's people that have been billion dollar, billion dollar people and lost it all and then got it back, and you don't think any less of them. Just it's actually inspiring to be able to, you know, I have a I have a mantle full of bottles with lightning in them. <laughs> hmm. Everybody thinks I've just captured lightning in a bottle so many times, and I'm like, okay, I'll take that for whatever reason, right? And you know, to do it once is hard enough, but to do it three or four times, mm-mm. yeah. So, well, I, I fully expect my- in the future that we're going to have you back on the backstory sessions because I think you're going to have like all these things now that you're throwing out there. You're going to have these and so many more things like to tell us about. So yeah. oh, it yeah. has been such a, a great honor and pleasure to have oh, you back. It's been my honor. And it's going to reach some people out there that are going to really listen to what you said. And, and even if it's like the three people that you, you talked about, those three people, they're going to touch lives. So basically, like it just keeps going and it all starts with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's been wonderful. Uh, uh, one thing, though, I, I, I just have to ask you because you say mm-hmm. you like challenges. So you might have noticed we have matching names or rhyming names, Matt and Cat. So if you had to like make a little rhyme up, like on the spot, what would you say? About... <laughs> what would you say for Matt and Cat? I have no idea. But <laughs> <laughs> say you had to do it though. I okay. Say you if you wanted to do it yourself. Okay. Tell us. Get a rhyming dictionary online, and you sit there just. Write cognitive sentences that rhyme with Matt and Cat. Right, yeah. So I started right, but now I have a whole new approach. I'm right right now. I'm a better lyricist than I've ever been because I took comedy classes. Hmm. And comedy classes, what you do is you just vent and just talk. You just vent about things and record it, right? And you take, but and you, you then you have to transcribe it. But I have AI software, so I can write. I can talk all day and throw it in the AI and it gives me a transcript. So now I have it, and then I take the best pieces. Then you do it again. So you do that with the rhyming, you probably come up with one of the best best songs you guys ever made of. You come up with a jingle, you can come up with a radio radio song, whatever. See, I, see you can't ask me questions like that because I'm going to go there, okay? So <laughs> if there's but something that's you want good, to add you to, know, I'm going to give you a, a formula to do it because I just am me. I'm sorry. That's a good way because you're just demonstrating like the way that you help people. Yeah. <clears throat> like showing, you know, showing right. resources of how you can do it. So, yeah. I mean, it. I think that's like the greatest answer ever. Give yeah, a man yeah. a fish, teach a man to fish. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, it, 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 it's simpler than that. 
yeah. it's just it's just learn how to learn right you know like i said i take i can take this podcast dump it in otter ai which is a, a where you just dump the, the audio in it does it in 10 seconds now you got audio it separates each individual voice then you can write the name of the voice then you can print it out in a pdf or a transcript or whatever right and it's about 90 percent accurate right you're gonna have some words that are mumble jumble but you know you, you can at least get the gist of it right and now you have it on paper and then you can also have it read back to you while you're looking at the words so you retain more out of it right That's how I learned, if long email that i don't want to read i throw it in a reader the reader reads it to me and then i might even if i'm still struggling i'll read along with it and now i got it and i'll retain more from that information than i could have possibly just by reading. I do that with acting scripts. I dump the whole thing in. By the time it reads me two, three times, I know what the whole scene is about. So the words don't even matter. They come to me. Everybody starts off trying to memorize the lines. That's the worst thing you can do. Understanding mm -hmm. the story and then taking, you know, instances in your life and patching it in there, that's how you act. Acting is being yourself in different iterations of the life experiences that you've had. To do that, anybody can act but it's hard to do that because we all think we got to put something on it like a radio dj they think they gotta that's why i was the transition from voiceover to you know me rapping and all that to voiceover was hard because i was just like i thought i could just do that and just set of talking right <laughs> you think you think you got to put something on it when you just gotta just talk like yourself and those are the lessons and it's just it, it, it my life has been fun and I don't want to go. I, I'm just happy, and I'm happy to be with you guys today. And today, I can honestly say is one of the best uh, storytelling sessions I've ever had in my life, and I feel full from it. And I thank you guys for having me on your show. Uh, we, thank, we thank you for being yeah. here. Um, there's so much to unpack from your story, and so many things to, you know, so many lessons to be learned, and. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of parallels between the things that you've been through and things that I've sort of been through. And I know, I know Kat does too. Um, and I'm sure we will talk about this quite a bit, <laughs> but, uh, hey man. Well, uh yeah. life. The, the, the thread of it all is that it's life. Right. Yeah. So, it's been, it's really been great having you on and we appreciate yeah. your coming by and sharing your story and all the twists and turns and things man that's it's an amazing backstory for sure a perfect well, fit cool let me go to this gym let me go to this gym before i don't go feeling <laughs> 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 good let me go lift some weights now before i before i don't go um <laughs> i will bid you to a do if you need me you can always call me I, I, you know, I'm your friend now. So All right, just DC, thank you very much. If anybody wants to, I, I'm willing to listen to anybody. Like I said, I've laid good breadcrumbs. All you got to do is type in DC Glenn, tag team womb, there it is. You can find me. Any of those terms, because I know SEO, and I make myself easy to find. So you can find me. Leave me an email. And if you're serious, I can help you. Awesome. Well, we'll right. definitely get you the link when the episode airs. It'll be not this Sunday, but then... 
it'll be two Sundays, right? Now, yeah, I think so. We're yeah. uh, so. a couple. Oh yeah, y'all, y'all got work to do. <laughs> 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 I got work to do editing in this. Y'all might have to do do two shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Take yeah, care. I, Thank I, you. I, I, I wish y'all, y'all a good rest of your day, all right? All right. You Thank too. you, sir. Appreciate Take it. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 Oh, yeah. Can't end it without ending it with sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's it. Take care later. All bye. right. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, so, yeah. as always, <laughs> um, we're just, I'm just going to do the uh, yeah. exit thing. So, as always, uh, that was quite an episode. Um, as always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or criticisms, especially criticisms, you can contact Kat at iWritePlays at Outlook.com. If you have any, you know, you want to tell me how much you love the episode or whatever, you can contact me at uh, BackstorySessions at gmail.com, or you can write to me at Matt at level11ventures.com and uh, yeah so uh, there you have it DC Brain the Supreme that was an awesome awesome show Uh, we thank you for listening and we will talk to you soon take care